standard issue for all women. Hi guys. This episode of Standard Issue is brought to you by Twining's Glow Super Blend, a strawberry and cucumber flavoured herbal infusion with green tea, aloe vera and added biotin. And biotin contributes to the maintenance of normal skin and hair. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming. I'm Mickey, this is Jen, this is Hannah, screenwriter Sarah Phelps and comedian Sarah Pascoe. What is abnormal skin and hair? Abnormal. Uh, what's abnormal skin and hair? Purple skin <laughs> and um, hair that smells of toilets. Okay. You will oh, see sure. it later. Don't tag me in any pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram, please. Um, yeah. Is that when you go full Charles II? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. What I look like this morning. Hannah, I think you're kicking off, mate. I am. I would like to know that, Sarah, you are a comedian, but you are also a writer. And Sarah, obviously a writer. I would like to know how you go about the business of writing. Do you have a routine? Do you have to get into a certain mindset? Let's start with Sarah Phelps. Yeah. Oh, I shit. I think you're much better. <laughs> <laughs> my, my routine for getting into writing is I go home after pitching and they say, yeah, we'll, we'll go for that. And I go home and I go like... Oh, Christ, let's watch Homes Under the Hammer. <laughs> I lie on the floor for a bit, I cry some hot bitter tears into the carpet, I go to sleep with my hair in the ashtray. I do just about anything as avoidance. I hand wash every single bra I own. <laughs> and then Can I people, how many bras do you own? Oh, I've, well, they, they fluctuate. So I've got a, I've got a range for, for the fluctuations of the boobs. Like sometimes they're reasonable and then sometimes stuff happens, you just go, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and they get giant, and then I have... So, you know, and there's also ones that I've kept because nostalgia, because I remember being much younger. It's like, they were pert. <laughs> and I can't better throw they them away. They saw some action. They saw <laughs> some action. They were good. These were the sorts of things I used to show people when I was drunk, not chance now. <laughs> but it, so I do all of that. And then I start to get emails from the people I'm working for saying, how you doing? Which is when I tell the lie that I learned on EastEnders, which is... Yeah, I'm just polishing the final scene. And there's a <laughs> blank page with the title and interior house. <laughs> and I think, yeah, just polishing the final scene. And then I panic. I drink a lot of tea. I smoke a lot of cigarettes. I cry. I swear. I scream at people down the phone. Don't you understand how busy I am? I never get time to stop. And that's my writing process. And it sounds, <laughs> it sounds really, really um, chaotic. And it is. And it is. It's avoidance and then panic. I feel 100% better think, about how I write now, to I be honest. I think everyone feels better in this room uh, now when there's anything to do. What so, about you, Sarah? Um, very similar. Uh, <laughs> very similar. I, um, I, I try and trick myself because it's, uh, the, the most difficult thing sometimes is having a, an empty day. Because sometimes you go, oh, I've got nine hours tomorrow. Uh, and actually, they're sometimes the hardest days to be creative on. Sometimes it's actually much better to just have a couple of hours. I've got to get it done because I've got to do something else at four. I um, really got obsessed with writers' routines. Um, when I was writing my first book, I because um, you can just Google and find out like what, what how we can see their desks. You can go to the British Museum and see how small Jane Austen's desk was and things like that. But um, the routine I like best because there's lots that are like five or six a.m. and it just made me feel sick. I got up and I just <laughs> had coffee and then wanted to vomit. So um, <laughs> um, Hemingway, <laughs> his was the writing routine that I really liked because he um, it was you can't drink before eleven and no cocktails before two, and uh -huh. um, I just really loved having a wine. <laughs> Like, as a trick to do my writing. Like, as long as I sit at my computer and I do it, I can have a large glass of red wine. 
or I take my computer to a pub. Do you? Yeah. Oh, God, I'd never get anything done. I have to sit there in silence, screaming. It, well, apart from yeah. my screaming. You know, some, sometimes you have to trick yourself into just getting a first draft, which is terrible, but it's out there. And you can, and yeah, the, thumping the, it out. The drunk draft, for me, does come out. <laughs> and then I have to sober me as to go and sort it out afterwards. It's also, there's, it's, it's a scene where you go, I'm not quite sure what's happening here, but I'll, I don't know yet, but I will know, but not quite yet. And you just sort of fill it with stuff that you hope will make sense further down the line. I write at night as well, and mm. I'll, I'll, I sit there until sort of four or five or something like that. Mm. And you, that's when it's, you know, it's all American Twitter, so no mm. one's awake, and you just think, oh, you know, I'll get it all done now. That's what I do a lot. Yeah. Oh, lying down in bed as well. I don't sit at a desk. I lie down with a duvet on me. <laughs> It's the other thing. How like, is your back? Like this. Yeah. Cosy. <laughs> <laughs> Does anything make it through to the final draft from the sort of panic slash piss stages? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you just have an idea. And sometimes also, sometimes you know what you want to say and you can't say it. And sometimes you don't know what you want to say. You know you need to say something. And it comes out by accident. Awesome. I, I like Sarah's glass of wine. Well, it's well. I used to write as a hobby, but when I had a full-time mm. job, and therefore that's what writing had to be. It had to be doing it at two o'clock in the morning with yeah. my earphones on, so people couldn't talk to yeah. me. Now I can't do it normally. Like you say, I, I am a hide, just do just do nonsense, clean the bathroom, just do things that. That's a lie. Oh, yeah, that's a lie. Get the gook out. The wa- no, I don't clean, clean my bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. I did clean all the gook out of my washing machine drawer the other day for no apparent reason because I didn't want to write a review of Luther. That's making me yeah. <laughs> why, why didn't you want to write a review of Luther? Because it, just, it, just, it was too early in the evening. I had oh, to okay. think about it. What did you think of Luther? I thought it was... Oh, you can see it on Den of Geek, who I was yeah. writing for. I thought it was over the top in a fun and enjoyable way. Okay. <laughs> I was watching it with my mum, who my mum is nearly... Well, she's, yeah, she's a, a, a month shy of 80. And I said, can we watch Luther? Just, you know... And she said, yeah, well, yes, OK. Is it, is it, isn't it rather dark? And I said, no, 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 it's oh fine. My it's God. all right. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching it, and there's sort of people with lit-up faces and all sorts of sexual perversity. And I thought, I hope she's gone to sleep. So I sort of uh, looked over, and she was knitting. She why are all these people so terribly kinky? How do they find the time? <laughs> and I really like the fact that this is, this is my mum's objection, which is it's not that they're kinky or depraved or mass murderers. It's that nobody has actually got the time to be this depraved. That, yeah. was, a, that, that was her sticking point. I suppose if it's your hobby, you do just make time for it. You make time for your hobby. I said, well, look at you, you're knitting. (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank God you're into knitting. God knows what you'd be getting up to. Think of all the people you could be killing if it wasn't for this stuff. And she was a a psychiatrist, so you imagine they are both quite busy. Yeah, well, if you want a murder done, ask a busy person. That's what they say. Seriously, yeah. That's the well-known saying, yeah. Um, (laughs) I'd like to ask you about any habits you might have. I'm going to start off by asking you if there's like a good habit that you've purposely tried to make yourself have. I'm going to start with the Phelps. A good habit? Yeah. God almighty. Um, uh, I take the dogs for a walk. That's good. That is good. I try to be nice to people in supermarket queues instead of screaming, get out of my way, everyone's moving too slowly, move, <laughs> move, move. I try to do, you know... The, you know, not let the inner monologue out. Yeah, get out and... Especially when you're sitting there all day and just sitting in the same position, sort of cramped with your hands like claws over the keyboard, working out different ways to 
kill people, which is apparently <laughs> what my job is. So you know, go out and have a go out and breathe and watch the watch the seasons sort of slowly swing round. That's what I like to do. Yeah. Yeah, carve a bit of time out for yourself. Well, I like to, you know, you're right in the middle of thinking, Christ, we've got all this winter to go yet, and you can just see things starting to push through and the world just sort of tipping around into spring. And even if it's really grey, you can still kind of, I don't know, take some optimism from that before I go back and work out ways to kill somebody else and go all dark again. So, <laughs> Sarah? Um, I really like exercise. Um, and again, it's, it's a way, it's a sanity thing. I think um, something I only discovered a few years ago, I'd always associated exercise with not liking yourself and especially not liking your body and it coming from a place of I'm supposed to be something else. And um, actually yoga really changed my life uh, because there's all these yin types of yoga which are essentially lying down with a cushion and, um, and then you kind of did the other side and it's so nice and, um, and it, it, it kind of calms your parasympathetic nervous system um, all of us have stressful lives not stressful particularly we put stress on upon ourselves we set achievements and goals that we're supposed to attain and we release cortisol all the time so we kind of make ourselves panicky and anxious and and this is there's forms of yoga which don't do the opposite they de-stress your system and um at the end of it you remember what you should feel like like actually what your mood should be and it was such a huge thing for me to hear my thoughts when i wasn't hating myself and feeling like a failure that it then opened up all other kinds for me like swimming and I'm not really great with cardio exercise but I have a personal trainer now which I'd have thought five years ago I never would have thought I would do and there's something so satisfying about lifting weights and again it's a real privilege to have the time and the money to be able to do it but um, all of these things have really gradually kind of added in but it originally came from lying down with a blanket doing restorative yoga um, <laughs> um, yeah and that is actually it feels really virtuous to say you know like when you want to just because i know that but it's, it's a it is an act of like self-love and self-care yeah, although that's become such a kind of this has yeah. been my resolution mm. which is basically realizing that i do sit my, my entire life is very very sedentary and especially kind of crouched because mm. i'm always in a keyed up state and i actually looked up a local class for pilates and bar and i thought i'm actually going to do it yeah because otherwise I'm, I am going to end up with a sort of dowager's hump and being really sort of mm. weak and not... I mean, don't even talk to me about core strength. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I fall over just standing still. <laughs> and, it, and it's just like, I can't go on like this. I'm at an age now where you go, you can't take that for granted. You can't take the fact that you're naturally strong mm. or naturally fast or naturally balanced. You spent f far too long sitting down, killing people for mm. entertainment. You've actually got to do something which is about calming the brain because yeah. I'm a terrible sleeper as well mm. I went for a stage this last year of sleeping for two hours a night oh, and I honestly thought I was going to yeah. lose my mind and so it's it's I've got to do something which just makes me stop yeah. so this shuts yes. up I think it is I think it's about getting back into your body you forget how much of your life is neck up yeah. and, and and actually it's anything physical and I think that's why things like walking dogs is probably so fantastic for you because it puts you back inside all of yourself yeah, that makes sense. You're reminded yeah. you've actually got a pair of legs that aren't just yeah. sort of and cramping underneath the desk. Yeah. <laughs> and just sort of look around and go, Jesus Christ, my ankles, what? they look like hot water bottles. It's yeah. sitting still for so yeah. long. So when are you going to go to your bar class? I'm going to go, I'm going to get a really, um, 
it's about five miles away in the nearest town. And I've rung them up, and I'm, when I'm back from... Uh, mm. I'm going for a, night sh for a couple of night shoots over in Ireland. And when I'm back from that, I'm going to go and have my first consultation. Oh, lovely. I know, I'm really excited. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But so I just like the idea of going, this is for an hour mm. at least... I'm not doing anything to do with work and I'm yeah. not doing anything to do with that because even when I'm walking the dogs, I'm generally yeah. doing, you know, you're, say, you're the mm. same. Your brain works mm. all the time or you're talking to someone on the phone or yeah. you're having an argument or an imaginary, the imaginary arguments I have <laughs> with people where I win and I'm just devastating and all my <laughs> one-liners are amazing and nobody can come back from it and my arguments are crystal clear and irrefutable, which is in my head because when I'm actually in a room trying to make my point... I just get a bit sort of like sulky and say things like, right, well, it's me or the bloody whatever. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, your brain never stops. And then you go home and you wonder why you only sleep for two hours a night. Ridiculous. Two hours a night. I know, it was awful. I did, yeah. I did think I was going crazy. There's yeah. a reason they use sleep deprivation as torture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 without a doubt. And when I was at my worst insomnia stage, I used to have actually sort of... Um, really strange olfactory hallucinations mm. in the depths of winter you mm. i think i can smell lilac or, oh. or that birds were flying into my face oh. i mean it's amazing it's quite an interesting thing you're like mm. i never knew i had that in me that level of yeah, yeah. you're like wow and then you just go christ i've really got to get some sleep <laughs> really got to get some sleep so on the flip side what are your worst habits i'm going to start with lady pasco uh, this sounds like the kind of thing you'd say in a job interview, where it's trying to look a plus. But I think, and I think, do you want the job or not, mate? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You know, in a job interview, when they say, "What are your faults?" and you go, "I just work too hard." Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm too diligent. I'm just too giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think this is really common. I think all of us do this. Um, I, I am always scared that people won't ask again a second time or that work isn't going to continue. I say yes to a lot of things. I know as I'm saying this, I don't want to do it. Right. And I resent it the entire time and then I do it full of resentment. It's Obviously. weird that you're bringing it up now. It's going to yeah. say that right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for being. Awkward vibe in the room. <laughs> Sarah? Smoking. Yeah. And I really feel like similar to that, actually, <laughs> which is you kind of think, I've just got to make hay while the sun shines and work, 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 work. And then mm. you go like, oh, I'm not going to be able to deliver. And you, you have to kind of learn how to, how to say no. But I think that's current in everything, isn't yeah. it? How to sort of, there is a power in knowing, just saying, no, that's not for me, and, but it's been nice meeting you. And it's kind of terrifying when you do that the first time, which is rather than waiting for people to say, you're not right for this is to actually go, I'm not right for mm. this. Nice to meet you. We've all learned a lot. See you down the road. Not to do it in a bad way, but there's actually something really invigorating about having the power or, or, or the self-worth to go, mm. this isn't right for me. I'm only going to make myself miserable. And I'm feeling, you know, and I don't, I, you know, I'm just going to step away from this and let you get on with it because I'm never going to be able to do what you want me to do just because it's not within me. And I had that... Um, about a year and a half ago on a job, and I was never going to be able to do it. It was just not the way I write. And being able to say, we're not a match, rather than waiting for someone to say, we're not a match, was, I don't know, I felt really good after that, for like sort of sacking yeah. myself. It was great. <laughs> God, I wish I'd done that in so many of my relationships. Yeah, and the, but, <laughs> but in, that's true, though, isn't it? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's also the relationship things, whether they're personal or professional, just being able to go... No, that's enough now. That's yeah. enough now. I'm not a, I, I'm not a bottomless pit of, you know, of, 
being able to take, 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 yeah. just sort of drawing a line around yourself is actually really, yeah, it's good for the soul. Mm. But it was, in effect, I sacked myself, but I did feel quite good about it and took myself out for a... Out for a McDonald's, I think, as a celebration. <laughs> a celebration. Oh, sometimes you sometimes you've got to have a nasty burger. <laughs> Sarah, you wrote the screenplay. The screenplay is that a word? Yes. For Poirot, which we saw on the, the ABC murders, yeah. Yeah, over the Christmas period, yeah. and there was a little bit of a let's call it a Twitter backlash <laughs> about I don't know the colour of his tash or something like oh, that. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, yeah, um, but it, there was a, it made a lot of noise in a weird way. Like there's people going on about, well, he hasn't got a moustache. He's got a, well, you know, he's John Malkovich. He can have what he likes on his face. Uh, <laughs> and um, there was just sort of all of this. And then, then it got into the accent because it had been misinterpreted. And I had a lot of journalists asking me about the accent. And I was quite enjoyed trying to say, yeah, that's right, I've, he, my, my Hercule comes from Macclesfield and John, <laughs> Macclesf- John uh, Malkovich will be speaking with a Macclesfield accent and tried to push that and it did, people did kind of look like they were buying it for a moment and then I had to sort of like, you know, go, of course he isn't, don't be ridiculous, we've just done, spent a lot of time thinking about how this person would speak if rather than, you know, so that we're looking at him anew rather than the kind of what we've become used to. Because I've never really watched a, um, you know, a, a Poirot. I've never really read any of them before reading this, before I never really read a Christie before I started going on and then there were none. So it's been a kind of, mm. it's been a really interesting thing because I haven't got that familiarity and yeah. you want to step away from the thing, the tropes that everybody is used to and people going, it'll always be David Sushi. Well, it wasn't always because it was Peter Eustonoff and it was Albert Finney and now it's um, Kenneth Brenner's sort of swashbuckling Poirot who has fights on the outsides of trains and this one is a different one again. So, and, bec- and I just wanted to really think about mm. That somebody who is canonically, you know, a refugee and, a be- and Belgian and has lived in this country for a long time, what that voice might sound like, what English might feel like in his mouth, mm-hmm. and really, really think about that. Hon, people say, "Well, it's not a Belgian accent." Well, it, well, it is. Well, I think the point is, people on Twitter get very upset about. Yeah, but you know, people a on Twitter get upset about all sorts of things. There are lots yeah. of really interesting kind of people saying, you know, "You've ruined it." You. you Pissed all over my Christmas and my dreams, or my. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest with you, I've been doing that for the last four years. Why are you surprised? <laughs> and and uh, but it was it, it was always a really interesting about it's revealing when uh, how much there is a kind of sort of sense of denial, which is like someone actually said to me, "You made him a refugee because of your own dark politics." What the hell are you talking about? He is a refugee in the books. So, so how do you come back from that kind of nonsense on social media? Like, what I do you know, do? I, know, I, to engage, I engage with it. I mean, like, there are lots of people who would kind of tag me into things. And there was one woman, who's, a woman who, who tagged me in. I, mean, I, I hate that screenwriter. I hate her. I hate her. She's shit. Everything she writes is shit. And I'm like, <laughs> what, everything? <laughs> or even the episode of No Angels when I managed to drop the C-bomb. Even that, because I thought that was brilliant. And most <laughs> of the time, you just really kind of get involved with people. And then there was one woman who had having a, such a pop at me, but she had a really, really nice horse in her RV. And I said, tell me about your horse. 
Right. She goes, oh, I really miss him. You're shit! Like, oh. <laughs> and then, I mean, even... even and it was just so, What about my dreams? <laughs> so, so much, uh, so much of it. But I, I just engage and just keep coming back and saying, well, why, well, why, well, why? Because, A, I've got the time, and also I just think that sometimes people want to be noticed. And you, you kind of get involved with somebody, and then they go like, well, I didn't think you'd notice. Well, actually, I really enjoyed that other thing. It's just that this wasn't for me. And then you can see their arguments de-escalating, de- and then we just go, oh, well, have a lovely new year anyway. Oh, yeah, thanks <laughs> so much, and you. Enjoy it. Yeah, you too. And it's weird. And there was one guy with a load of union jacks, and I thought, all right, oh, I'm going to have a right fucking tussle here. <laughs> <laughs> but then he, and, but he rolled over like a pussycat, and then he, he'd end up jumping into arguments and saying, look, don't say that to her, because actually, you know, she's got a valid point. Like, What's going on? <laughs> but there was an... Who was it? Peter Hitchens got involved. Um, Peter Hitchens, who famously follows no one on Twitter, and he got involved in about something. And I just thought, oh, I'm not having this, for God's sake. Every single kind of right-wing mediocrity, right from now, Suzanne Evans, ex of the UKIPs, you know, grinding for tips in the sort of like the Sunday Mail or something. <laughs> and I thought, anyway, Peter Hitchens. So I just kind of sent him a little message saying, you know, answering his query. And then I just put it on, oh, now kiss me, you beautiful fool. <laughs> Absolutely tumbleweed back. I was really gutted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But I think you, I'm fairly robust. And also, you know, I'm not getting kind of like death threats or things like that, which a lot of women, a lot of people get on Twitter and a lot of women get on Twitter. I just had people being really angry about a Belgian detective. And I did well think done. it's actually pretty cool that um, of all the things people are furious about and really worked up about and debating intensely is a fictional Belgian detective. And Agatha Christie, who would have thought that we, you know, that this would be the big talking point between Boxing Day and the New Year? And it just kept going. It still keeps coming. It sort of rolls in, but it's every year somebody, and I've got like a few people who every year jump into jump into my mentions to tell me that I'm a, I know, a, a husk of a person and nobody likes me. You just go, what, are you looking through my window? Oh, that's no surprise <laughs> to me. A lot of these kind of things are designed to make you feel ashamed. They want to make you ashamed. Yeah. They want you to back off and be sorry and scurry away because you put your head above the parapet. I'm absolutely not going to do that. So... I will stand there going, here I am, come at me, bro, and let's see what we have. Because, you know, it's it's the same with all the hate mail. Don't hide it, don't be ashamed. I'll put it in a frame and put it on the wall. You're (laughs) you're sick, you're disgusting, wear it with pride. You made a reaction and don't hide. Anyway, sorry, that's enough. Sarah, do you get a similar thing? Um, Not about pyro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm very different, I'm very... I really don't tend to engage with Twitter. I um, So, you do. The thing is, I, I don't think everyone has to like me, because uh, my job is stand-up comedy, and so it's very difficult to separate yourself from your work. Like Technically, you're at work, but it's like it's your face and your name and your life and your opinions that you're saying, so it is you. And so when someone hates you... <laughs> And so, and there's all different kind of things you get back if it's stand up because um, sometimes you sit on a panel show and 
you know, you're there for about three hours and it gets edited down, like, like something like this. So it, it's a whole thing that gets edited down to a smaller thing and someone else chooses or a few people choose which bits of what you said are included, if any of them. And so sometimes it's something that you said that's been criticised. Sometimes it's the fact that you haven't said enough. Sometimes it's they think you're taking a position from a better woman or man. And then there's this other kind of thing which is about not being attractive enough. There's something which I think... Uh, I'm sure it happens to men as well, but particularly it's a certain kind of man who, if they don't want to fuck you, does not want you on their television screen. So, like, stop existing. I don't want to put my dick in you. And, um, <laughs> and um, so there's all these different varieties of it, and I've found that I can't process that negativity very quickly. I find that it tends to stay with me, and so rather than engaging with it, I just ignore it. Because I think everyone is allowed their opinion, everyone's allowed to get drunk, and they don't really realise that you're real. And I think that's what you're saying. When you engage, you're absolutely right. People then are suddenly so like, oh, oh, you heard me. Because yeah. <laughs> essentially, like, yeah. I always think about in the olden days, like, you know, you know, you sit in a pub and you... Because when I was a teenager, and I'm just picking this person, um, uh, Katie Price Jordan... Was when I was a teenager, she was she was I think we thought she was really a bad type of woman because she was, uh, I guess, like um, benefiting financially from selling her sexuality. And there was something that was happening with my group of friends, which we thought that was like bad womanhood. But and we would have said that talked about that in a pub. But if Katie Price had walked in, we wouldn't have shouted at her. (laughs) And I think that's what sometimes Twitter is. You think you're just having a conversation, and um, and then when that person goes, oh hi. sorry, or that's great, but I don't tag me in this, or I disagree, this is what I was trying to say. Yeah. They instantly like, oh, you heard me. I didn't... Um, yeah, there was a lot of that. There was human. an interesting one where I said to, I said to one woman, I said, what, just that amount of interest, what was your thought process in making, you know, yeah. atting me? And yeah. it should, but I, I thought that was... I thought that was how it worked because you don't want people to talk behind your back because it's rude. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah. but it, so there's a strange yeah. thing yes, between like, there is. there's like a huge well gulf between yeah. me sitting on my mm. phone and then my the voice person. as it appears over here, and yet I still have the mores that I have if I was at the school gates or in mm. in in you know in the shop or whatever. It's just a really interesting thing, but I think engaging you know, that whole that whole yeah. thing about like. Why do you exist? Yeah. Why are you breathing on my television? I can't stand it. He's yeah. like, oh my good lord. Yeah. Um, I did something once with um, Gabby Logan, and she was saying that she, there's a, a, a minority, these men, and they're so angry with her, and they, they, their anger isn't because she doesn't know what she's talking about, because she does. Sometimes the criticism of her is that they have to spend all day with their wife, and then they turn on the TV and she's there. Uh, <laughs> they, they just want oh, another <laughs> bloody woman. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just that they're just like no, <laughs> uh, and that's the thing that like, you. I think it's. I think there's um. There's so much. It's so exciting to dis, to debate and disagree, and I think it's so important that we have people who say no. This is my information. This is why you're wrong. I think, but I don't know that Twitter's a place for that. I think Twitter is. It, it, everything seems much more highly. Uh, highly it's, strong. Highly strong. It's 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 not a place for empathy particularly, and I don't know if it is a good place for argument. I think occasionally someone will put a good article up or the threads. I know now, so you, there is. But in terms of like the arguing, I don't know that any of us ever learn anything particularly. I think we reinforce I'm right and other people are bad people. So I don't tend to engage with it too much on on Twitter. Um, what you yeah. said really struck me about realizing that actually it's fine for not everyone to like you, and yeah. that's really li- you know. Yeah. I ha- 
hesitate to use the word liberating, but it mm. actually is. That you, it's fine to yeah. be disliked. I mean, yes. I think I'm lovely. Yes. And I'm always quite... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are I lovely. So, yeah. I'm always quite surprised when people sort of go, oh, I really hate her. And I go, do mm. you? That's fascinating. Mm. What is it about me that you hate? Because <laughs> yeah. I really... And I yeah. find that really interesting. And it's... Yeah. it's I, I haven't even noticed it happening when I move from wanting everyone to like me... Mm. And then thinking, I don't give a toss whether you yeah. do or not, to be honest. I think for me it was stand-up, you could literally, especially if, uh, if like a club gig, so essentially you have an opener, a middle and a closer and an MC, and you're only ever the last one on or the first one on or you're hosting, and so no one's there ever for you, they're there for a night. And it was just learning that the audience, sometimes you'd have the worst gig, I often have the worst gig, but for someone in the audience, I'm the only one that they liked because of the kind of comedy that I do, or vice versa. And it's a really, really good lesson in just subjectivity. <laughs> and um, as long as it's not, oh, I did a poor performance because I wasn't prepared, just the thing of like, oh like, oh, like being a chef, like you made a dinner you think is delicious, and someone else goes, I hate artichoke. Yeah, yeah and, and, it's, and it's that kind of... Get that of foam off my plate. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I review television, and so I, I almost always say, you know... Maybe it was me. And there's yeah. a couple of things that are really, really popular that mm. I just don't like. Oh, really? And so I generally just don't talk about them because yeah. I feel that if the overwhelming majority of people seem to like something and I don't, mm. then the problem possibly is me. Yeah. And it just doesn't do anything for me. I, yeah. I, I'm sure the other production hand, values just, are great. and It's uh, just taste. Yeah. It's yeah. just your taste. Exactly. Like, there are people who... I, mean, I really loved A Very English Scandal. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. And some people really hated it. That's fine. Mm. You know, it's. Um, I'm really enjoying the Les, Les Miserables. I think oh, it's brilliant. fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And some people don't like it because it's not the because it's not the musical. There's no singing. It's just yeah. taste. Mm. It's fine to hate things. Isn't it weird though that everyone's extreme? <coughs> they love it or hate it. When actually, what they what you get it a lot with comedians. Mm. Oh, I hate Michael McIntyre. Mm. He's not funny. Mm. No, he doesn't make you laugh. He's not yeah. your cup of tea. But it feels not enough to just say it's not. But what's wonderful about comedy is everyone's qualified. Whereas we probably, I mean, talk for myself now. I wouldn't go to an opera and have a strong opinion about it because I don't know anything about opera. I don't really speak Italian. I don't know. I, I would just think I'm not clever enough to really understand what they're doing here. Whereas with comedy... What's that? No, no, carry on. And always with comedy, you know if it's made you laugh or not, so you're completely qualified to go, that's not comedy. Yeah. But you yeah. can literally go, it's not even the genre of comedy. <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't... Which is actually, again, it's a really great thing. Like, every, everyone is qualified to go, I don't like that person, I do like that person, that person's the best. And it's completely inverted. It gives people massive investment as well, isn't it? Yeah. I went to a ballet once, and I hated it so much, I actually started crying. <laughs> I, was, I was literally bored. That's what tears. art's supposed to do. Yeah. That's true and art. It's supposed to bore you to tears. love it. <laughs> yes. so I think they were doing a great job. Yeah. I was just like, I want to go. This is yeah. Yeah. I was on a press trip, so I yes. had to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It wasn't even when you were a kid. It was I know. I, was, I kind enough. of imagined this sort of tiny little girl you know, no, watching, no. watching the Nutcracker go, I hate this. I was about 30. Go, oh, do you know what? This makes it even better. I thought, I don't know what this is about. Why am I supposed to be enjoying? <laughs> but I think they're very different things as well. Like, I think you can, regardless of, like, liking or hating something, you can be critical of something or analyse how it's made. But I think being aware of the joy that things bring to other people is a really important mm. part of it. Because some people, when they don't like it, they want it to unexist. Yeah. Like, that's not for me. 
cancel it. <laughs> That's the thing that people Vegan say. Vegan sausage rolls, right? Oh, <laughs> right, okay. It was so strange. I was in Australia and I thought, why would you be annoyed about an extra product being stocked? They didn't say no more sausages, yeah. Yeah. which I would absolutely understand. But the idea that someone else would have an option, like, no. Not on my watch. Hannah, do you have another question? I do. Um, since we're having a cup of tea, if you could pick any woman to go out for a cup of tea with, who would you like that to be? Do they have to be alive? Or no. like anyone throughout history? Anyone uh, yeah. throughout history. I'm obsessed with Iris Murdoch. Oh, that's a good choice. I'm obsessed with Iris Murdoch. Everything about her, I, I, her intellect, how brave she was, her sexuality, how she like put philosophical ideas into her life and then lived it and then said, no, okay, I'm not an existentialist anymore. Now, and I just, I think she writes the most incredible novels. I think she understood men so well. And I think, yeah, Have I just think questions? she's so amazing. Have I got questions <laughs> for her? Yeah. For Iris Murdoch? Yeah. Is she here? <laughs> 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 well, what a budget. Someone who was alive, yes. maybe yeah. I could have sorted something yeah. out for yes. you. What about you, Sarah? I'm torn between Kathy Burke, oh. just because I love her, and a woman called Matilda Devine, who was basically born in Camberwell in 1900, met, she was a prostitute, very young, and on the Strand when she was working, she met an Australian digger, soldier, married him, went back to Australia on the troop ship, thinking she was going to the land of milk and honey, realised that she'd just basically gone back to a, a version of her own life, but but ended up running the Sydney underworld. Wow. I'd love to go for a cup of tea with her. She's incredible. She basically ends up as one of the most notorious madams in, the, oh. in, in Australia. And her life is incredible, and one day I'm going to make a fucking great movie out of it. But anyway... Do it. But... Do it. but um, <laughs> Just to sort of give you an idea of her rise, that um, having left London on this troop ship and just gone to unimaginable privation and violence, and she travelled back to see the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II and sat in the front, front row at Pall Mall to watch the carriage go past. And I think, yeah. well, I said, I, I, she fascinates me. Imagine running the Sydney underworld. Apparently she set fire to a policeman who tried to embezzle her. <laughs> and, um, and then she got charged with trying to, uh, trying to murder a man, um, trying to murder a man with a, with, a, with a cutthroat razor who had basically failed to pay her for services. And she was dragged into the police station so that you tried to kill him. Uh, no, I didn't fucking try. If I'd tried, he'd be dead. <laughs> she was, she was, uh, she, her second husband p- proposed to her and she was so furious, she shot him in the thigh three times. <laughs> so, no, but she did marry him. He was like... <laughs> I'd, like to go, I'd like to go for a cup of tea with her. And, and I, yeah, actually, no, yeah, I can do what I want. Kathy's coming too. All right, yeah. Can you imagine Matilda on Twitter? Just the coronation <laughs> and shit. Don't like <laughs> yeah. it. Done that. Nah, look yeah. at that. I think Matilda on Twitter is Kathy Burke. Yeah, that yeah. is true. That is true. That tawdry carriage. Oof. <laughs> Not enough gold. Yeah, so that's who I'd have. Yeah, Iris Murdoch would be a great one. Iris mm. Murdoch and Kathy Burke. Yeah. Out for really. tea. That would be good. Can't, we can't make it happen. No. Sorry. And Angela Carter, can she come too? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, Angela yeah. Carter. Yeah. Amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. I went to see Wise Children when it was on. At the, oh, yeah. yeah. Was it brilliant? Oh, it was. It was absolutely terrific. Really sort of kind of had an old vaudeville feel to I it. I love all that. Yeah. I absolutely love it. such a sucker for all that musical and yeah. all those sort of acts and that slight end of the pier feeling. Yeah. 
I like all the backstage, front stage thing. It thrills me. I used to work backstage at the RSC as a dresser, and I used to love that whole kind of that those different sort of sides of the life and there they go onto the stage and then they come off and you're sort of long lacing in somebody into a corset or putting a plastic you know armor on somebody's then got to run back on for the battle of Agincourt and <laughs> it was great and I, I walked up um I was at a writers guild awards thing and um Josie Lawrence was presenting and she kept looking at me and I was like she goes I know you and I said yeah Josie I used to put you in a in a corset at the side of the stage when 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 you were in Taming of the Shrew and she went you know, like, God, of course that's what it is. And it's, it happens all the time, especially now doing the job I'm doing. That you get, sometimes you're having read-throughs, having your cast read-throughs, and you can see someone looking at you and just going, have we worked together before? It's like, I used to pick up your pants. <laughs> <laughs> God, you know, like this. But I, I love that, though, that, that kind of world, the kind of all the sort of grease paint and all the scandal and the, the kind of the the mechanics of what happens on stage then being put on stage. I love all of that. What do you do to boost your confidence, Sarah? Oh, I've got this new trick. Okay, what I realised was <laughs> the, the problem isn't the external world. A lot of the time for us, it's our inner monologue. It's how we speak to ourselves. It's what we expect to ourselves. I have switched my inner monologue to as if I was talking to a dog. So, <laughs> right, because everyone, you're so, you expect so little of them. <laughs> Just as, so I now say to myself, like, Bessie, you're a good boy, you're a good boy. You want, you want some water? You're a bit thirsty? Yeah, a bit thirsty. <laughs> you're a bit thirsty? You want to have a little drink of water? There, see, you're drinking your water. It's good, isn't it? It's going to hydrate you. Bessie, you had a water. <laughs> and it just, you just, it's a softness towards myself. And I know it's silly, <coughs> but it, it's, the, I, it makes me, it, the difference between that and the rest of my inner monologue, which is, you stupid bitch. <laughs> You've done on ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of realizing that. So anything you can do to trick yourself out of that is actually quite helpful. I actually, I did this thing a few years ago where I cycled across America and it was hideous and really, really hard. And towards the end of it, I was by myself and I was going absolutely mad. And towards the end of it, I was literally having days where I was going, you're doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> really well. Keep going. And I was actually speaking out loud to myself. Mm. There was no one else there. What I think that's that? a good thing to do, though. <laughs> I have to start doing it in a lot. I, I actually do. I, I do have dogs, and I've sort of found that they are incredibly good for sort of like de-stressing, like, are you wagging your tail? Yeah. <laughs> are you doing that? Are you... You know, and it's... Ba- yeah, exactly. You ask nothing of them other mm. than that they're quite sweet. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of... I sing them songs for Christ's sake. I'm sort of like rock operas and all about, you know, the little jumper that they're wearing. I don't bloody know. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it's... Or, yeah, you're sort of marching around, saying out loud to yourself, right, nearly there, come on, come on, come on, push, push, push. God knows what my neighbours must sing. I have no idea. And I used to have... When I lived in Wolfenstein, I used to have... Um, First floor flat, and the flat across the road was uh, this couple lived in there called Ted and Sylvie. They were lovely. They did all, all the shopping for like the really the much older folks on the road. And I'd be working there. It's when I was writing Enders and sort of muttering to myself, "Hey, look, you Jim Brennan, don't you? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, Phil, what are you doing? Don't, don't fight me more. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I met him in the shop, and I sort of came. My light would be on. I'd be muttering away, and I sort of get Ted and Sylvie looking through their blinds. Saying, what do you do, dear? <laughs> what do you do for a living, dear? And I was like, oh, um, I'm a writer. And they're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, what sort of writing do you do? I was like, oh, I'm, oh well, I write for a soap opera, I write for EastEnders. And so, oh, thank God for that, we thought you was mad. <laughs> <laughs>
It's all right, Ted, you're not mad, you're not mental. <laughs> um, we've got a... Oh, come sorry, I'm supposed no, to get into that. Like, <laughs> but yeah, shut up, Ma, I'm going to have him. I'm going to do him. <laughs> I'll feel why. <laughs> <laughs> Now, look here, Jim Brown. I'm not you guys. spirituous liquors. But, uh, God almighty, it's just taken me right back. Get out of my pub. Get out of my pub. The thing about giving someone a dry slap. Yeah. That was dry. Mike Reed always used to oh, say that, didn't it? Dry yeah. slap. I, I, lo- <laughs> I, uh, I, love, I loved writing EastEnders. I loved it. He loved it. It was so much fun. Sarah and Sarah. Yes. Do you have anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, I've, um, I'm filming my show for the BBC on the 10th of March at the Palladium, and um, I'm very excited. It's a show about um, uh, being single, and so it's really good if you've had a breakup or um, <laughs> don't have a partner, and it's going to be really fun. So I'd like to, people to come to that, please. How can people find out about tickets and stuff? The internet. It's on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's like <laughs> um, or the Sarah? Um, I, I, I've got nothing exciting like that. I'm going on a night shoot tonight for um, a show I've written called Dublin Murders because all I do is murder. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to write a rom-com, but there's no romance, no comedy. There's only death. <laughs> so, um, so that's we're gonna. Be, I'm doing that, and then we're just sort of putting that together, and that'll be on. I don't know at some point. But you won't be able to miss it because it'll just be really miserable. And there are lots of dying. Okay. That's all I do. My God, I'm no wonder I'm losing the plot. <laughs> I need to laugh. I'm going to come and see your show. <laughs> There's a lot of murder in my show as well. Oh, great, yeah. It's great. my favourite thing. Murder and, and laughing. Can, where can people find you on the Twitter? Oh, God. At I Phelps, don't know. Sarah Phelpsy? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. At, at Phelpsy Sarah, I At Phelpsy Sarah. And, a, and it's got a little cartoon, a cartoon RV that a friend of mine did, and that is so worryingly lifelike, you know, a sort of squidgy bum. And uh, it's called The Pervert Sarah Phelps, which somebody had called me as a sort of a comment, you know, why do they let her do this, the pervert Sarah Phelps? <laughs> I thought, I'm having that. <laughs> and at Sarah Pascoe, right? At Sarah Pascoe, yeah. Thanks very much for joining us. If you could put your hands together and join us in thanking our guest, Sarah Pascoe, Thank Sarah Phelps. Thank you, Thank you Standard issue for all women.